Well, good morning, friends. I'm Eric Ashley. I'm honored and grateful to be one of the pastors here at Grace Community and uh, to be with you this morning. As we start this new series called How to Be, we're going to be looking at three weeks of the Beatitudes, which are the, the uh, beginning parts of what is called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And uh, you might wonder why it's called the Beatitudes. There's not a word Beatitude in there at all, but uh, it comes from the Latin Beati Sunt, which means blessed are. It was, and it came from the Latin translation called the Vulgate that started in, in the 4th century by Jerome and it was evolving all the way up until the 16th century. And that's how we get the word, the Beatitudes, hence the name of our series, How to Be. And we're going to focus this week on the, these first three Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I don't know about Tracy, but um, as preachers, we often, I feel a lot of pressure to uh, every week to come up and uh, have some enlightening thoughts about what the scriptures mean. You know, it's almost like, here's your problem. Now go solve it and tell everybody what this means. And uh, so it's a great deal of pressure. And um, I don't know that I always have an answer. I don't know all I always have. This is what this absolutely means. And, and many times when I'm approaching a scripture, I, I, I try to see what is what is God saying to me this particular week, this particular time about this particular scripture and in this particular place. I, I know as I've read scripture, and you've probably experienced the same thing, you read scripture in, at one age, what I read the scripture as when I was 25 is a whole lot different to when I read it now at 47. Or what I read when I had no children is a whole lot different from when I read, read now when we have four children and, and half of them are out of the house. So a different place in life, maybe even as a, as a different community of faith from one church in one city to another church in another city. So when I'm sharing, I, I try to share how, how I'm experiencing the scriptures and hearing God speak right now. And I don't know about you all, but the Beatitudes, if you've ever been familiar with the Beatitudes, sometimes I've felt like the Beatitudes are, are this, this hope, this, this dream, uh, this kind of pinnacle or, or paradise that someday, someday when, when our whole life and the world, this whole life and world thing is wrapped up, that these, these Beatitudes would be reached. There's no way that any of this is going to happen until Christ comes in final victory and we feast in the heavenly banquet. 
I, I sometimes thought, well, reading these first three, it was like, okay, well, I must have to then be poor or poor in spirit, or and I have to be sad and mournful, and I have to be meek and mild and in order to kind of experience God, in order to be a, a good follower of Jesus. And, and sometimes we do a good job of that as Christians, to be poor in spirit and kind of be weepy and mournful and meek, and sometimes we're not so good at that. Sometimes I thought about it like an attaboy for the, for the underdogs of the world. Does any, doesn't anybody, everybody love the underdog? I don't know who the underdog is today at the Super Bowl, but sometimes I just like to root for the underdog, and sometimes the Beatitudes feel like I'm rooting for the underdog, the poor in spirit and those who are mourning and, and those who are meek. But I'm not sure that's an appropriate thing. Sometimes it feels like an encouragement to just hold on, and, and one day, one day the world will be made right. But I'm not sure that that's an appropriate reading or where I'm experiencing God this week. What I think this week, I think these are, are revolutionary words. Revolutionary words that are, that are counterculture. They were countercultural then, and they're, they're certainly countercultural now in 2020. And it was almost like a grassroots organizing way to move toward the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, crowds are, we learned last week, are, are, are following him and pressing in on him. And so he retreats up onto a mountain and disciples and crowds follow him and he sits down to teach, as was the custom of the rabbis. Sits down to teach. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. These are more like, instead of a pipe dream that is to come someday in whatever heaven looks like, they're, they're transformational steps is what I'm seeing this week. Transformational steps that we all should be taking toward the kingdom of God as we grow into an inner child of God. As, as Kimberly read, toward the end of the Beatitudes, in verse 10, we have that, for they will be called children of God. So I think these are, are progressive steps, beginning with being poor in spirit and, and being mournful and, and meek, ending with our arrival in the kingdom of God as children of God. It's about an an inner transformation that each of us journeys on by ourselves. And, and introspection begins with self-identification. We can't sit here and go, okay, well, Joe, Joe is poor in spirit. I hope no one's named Joe here today. Joe is poor in spirit. Or I'll, this is, I was going to say this is safer, but maybe not. Tracy is mournful. If you had to live with me, you'd be mournful too. And so and so is me. This is not something where we, we're identifying for other people, but we're, we're being self-evaluative and in, in looking inward and in, in identifying for ourselves. Am I poor in spirit? Am I mournful? Am I meek? It's our own path of, of inner transformation. 
And, and these blessings, they're, they're not blessings. They're nothing physical. They're nothing material. They're not physical gifts to be received. The blessing is our transformation, our assimilation into the kingdom of heaven. There's uh, seven blessed statements called the Beatitudes, and, and they're steps almost like a staircase. There's this beautiful graphic here. Go back one there. Kind of think that as steps of transformation, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. All the way up to rejoice. There's a church in Israel, the Church of the Beatitudes, on where they think the Sermon on the Mount took place. And, and there's a newer part of the church called the Church of the Sermon on the Mount. And it actually has steps. It's hard to see here. But the steps leading up to the chapel are the Beatitudes. And, and they're in several different languages. And we have English there, and there's, there's Hebrew, there is Arabic, and down below it's in French as well. kind of emphasizing this idea that these are steps into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. They lead us to new birth and, and across the threshold of the kingdom of heaven. This, this idea that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is, is not something that is, is we are waiting for at the end of life. But the kingdom of God is something that we can enter into right now. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is already and not quite yet. And these steps are for us to walk to help bring about the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So as I was reading, a couple words jumped out to me that were a little, little confusing. The idea of blessed. What, what does that mean? We see hashtag blessed on social media, right? Usually it has to do with a new boat or shopping spree or a new house or vacation. Blessed are you who get to go to Sanibel Island this summer. Uh, you know, not quite what we're talking about. Blessed are you who have a new 21-foot bayliner. Blessed are you who bought a new house. Those are blessings for sure, but this is not what these tangible blessings are not what Jesus was talking about. It's a reception of a, an enlarged provision, an enlarged benefit from God. It's God's favor, God's grace. God's grace to you who are poor in spirit. And what about poor in spirit? Poor is sort of easy, right? It's lacking in anything. We were poor in this, poor in that. The, one of the commentaries has this idea that poor in, in, in this context, in this word, particular word in Greek was had one who slinks and crouches. I just thought that was pretty amazing. One who slinks and crouches. So someone poor in this mindset would be not, not able to even to be upright, not feeling worthy to be upright, slinking and crouching. Not making eye contact. 
in, poor in spirit. Not just poor in, in things, but poor in spirit. Poor of the spirit of God. The very breath of life in their body. They're, they're living, they're breathing, but not by the power of God. Some commentators say this is really about identification of, of where are you in connection with, connection with God. And it puts in a place of pride. Oh, I'm great. I'm good. I've got it all together. I come to church almost every single Sunday. I give almost every single Sunday. I check all those boxes, you know. But this is more a self-evaluation of where where are you in relationship with God? How are you depending on God? How are you relying on the very breath of life from Jesus Christ in your body? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, are those who, who realize that they cannot do anything without God. I've been working through the, the 12 steps as part of a, a Overeaters Anonymous group for about, well, since September. And um, I didn't walk into OA with my, um, at my heaviest weight. I'd already dropped 35 or 40 pounds and gained 10 or 15 pounds and then lost. You know. But I walked into OA knowing that whatever was happening with me, that I, I couldn't do it. I was poor in the ability to, to regulate my food intake. And, and we, we would call it that um, we admitted that I was powerless over food and compulsive eating and and my life had become unmanageable because of it. That's what poor in spirit. I, or my life, that was powerless over my life. And compulsive behaviors and that my life had become unmanageable. That's what poor in spirit is. And that could be, take up lots of different things. Pride. Self-indulgence. Other addictions. But we have to admit that we're powerless over our lives. And when we admit that we're powerless over our lives, that's when we're poor in spirit. Because we have nothing except for the Spirit to guide us. What about mourning? I mean, that's kind of a downer, right? To be in the kingdom of God, then you've got to be mourning. Everything has to be like Eeyore. Can't really sing in the river like Eeyore, can you? The sense here is, is it's that mourning is grieving for sure. Grieving the, the loss of what could be. A, a loss of hope. Not, not just weeping, but Grieving of what could be. Such a, and, and such a concern, such a grief for that, that it takes action. 
not just fitting in and, and sitting in the pile of grief, but such concern that you want to take some steps. The second step of the 12-step group is that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That's mourning. I have a deep concern that something is missing in my life, but I know that there's something greater. For us, there's, there's a greater God that can restore our lives to sanity, to manageability. That's mourning. Leads us to action, to take a step to remedy a situation. It's like identifying, look, I don't know about this educationally, so I need to go do some learning about this. Could be a step of concern. And what about comforted? You know, we could see that the mourn, the mournful, you come and you would put your arm around or you'd sit next to those who are mourning. That's certainly part of comforting. But in this sense, really means to encourage, to, to console, to strengthen, to embolden. That you're mourning and you have such a deep concern over this that, that the Spirit is, is strengthening and emboldening you to take the steps necessary. It's one thing to be, be on step one, admitting that you're powerless over your life and your addictions and your behaviors and your life is unmanageable. It's another thing then to take the next step that we believe that there's something that can fix it. That's what we're talking about, mourning and being comforted. And then meek. I, I hate the word meek. I, just think, I think it's terrible. Can I just tell you a confession? If, if we get to heaven and we're hanging out with David and we're just sitting there and we're playing the lyre and singing psalms, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's, that's what I sometimes think about when I think, you, you see the, the Renaissance artwork and meek and mild. Sometimes I think that's how we picture, we, again, have to be in the church, that we have to be meek and mild. Almost we're the, the doormats of the world and we can't say anything, can't stand up. It's just a terrible English word for what this word really means, because here are two people that were described as meek in the Bible. Moses was described as the person who had the meekest character in all of the world. Would anybody think in an English word of meek that that would be Moses? No. Moses, who who stood in front of the burning bush and then went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go over and over and over, and then led thousands and thousands of people through the Red Sea. Meek is not the first word that I begin to think of in an English standpoint. And then Jesus, in Luke and Matthew's gospel later in 11, chapter 11, is described as meek as well. I don't think Jesus is meek. Humble is maybe a closer word. Moses was humble that he knew, because Moses was poor in spirit, he knew that none of this happened without 
God's intervention. Jesus was humble because he knew without the Father that none of this happened, aligning their wills together. So a better definition might be exercising God's strength under God's control. Exercising God's strength under God's control. Moses and Jesus and those who are meek surrender their wills to God and learn to do God's bidding, whatever that might be. And if you've ever responded to God's call and and did God's bidding, you have to be way more than our English word meek connotates. There's this author uh, and theologian, he was a, he was a Greek uh, scholar, his name's Clarence Jordan, and uh, Clarence was, uh, was uh, from South Georgia, and he, he, in his studies, got concerned with poverty and, and, and racial discord. He, he was, it was from the 1910s to the 1969, 70-ish area living in South Georgia and had great concern over the racial divide and, and poverty divide in our country and uh, decided to start a thing called Koinonia Farms. Koinonia Partners it later became part of. and it was, it was almost like a monastery where people would come together and live and work and they would grow their own food and, and they'd have equal housing and they would share and everything. It's very much like the early church might have been pictured. And later they got involved with a guy named Millard Fuller came involved. And they got concerned about affordable housing and equitable housing outside of America's Georgia. And Millard Fuller and his wife, you would know, go on to, uh, to start the um, Habitat for Humanity. I was just totally losing it. Habitat for Humanity to provide housing. But at Koinonia Farms, everybody came together and and, and uh, everybody was of one accord. Black, white, young, old, male, female. And they fought the good fight of racial tension in South Georgia for a long time. And along that, he wrote some things and He wrote this book that we're using for this called The Sermon on the Mount, and he makes this analogy to these three Beatitudes. He says it's like this, if you're thinking about your health, and we have some medical professionals here, you're thinking about your health, blessed are they who face up to their illness, for theirs is health. You ever been there, like, I know I'm sick, I know there's something going on with me, but I uh, just don't want to go find out what that is, right? There's something happening, and for whatever reason, I don't want to know, or I'm afraid of what it's going to cost, or afraid of what the treatment's going to be. But he says, blessed are those who face up to their illness, for theirs is health. Blessed are they who go to the doctor, for they shall be helped. like the mournful, taking the step of action, and they're comforted. Blessed are they who take the doctor's prescription, 
for they shall inherit the benefit of the doctor's knowledge. That's what these steps of the Beatitudes are. They're not some pipe dream for someday, somewhere. They're steps for us in the kingdom. I, was, I paraphrase it like this. The first one, I'm, I'm not, not enough without God in my life. And then I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm going to go do something about it. And the third one, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix this on my own. I need someone's help. See, the Beatitudes are they're not a, a frilly little poem. They're, they're a way of life. They're, they're, they're a program, not necessarily a point of arrival. A program, a way of life that you work your entire being of becoming more poor in spirit, becoming mournful and, and concerned and, and grieving what is missing in our world and missing in our lives, and being meek, meek in a way of humbleness that, God, wherever you lead me, I'm going to follow. That's what these first three Beatitudes are. And for me, it goes back to the prayer that we prayed earlier. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But it starts with this introspection of each one of us. Thy kingdom come in me as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come in Eric. Thy kingdom come in Robbie. Thy kingdom come in Craig. Thy kingdom come in Ken. Thy kingdom come in Grace Community. Thy kingdom come in Lithia, as it is in heaven. That's how it starts to become thy kingdom come on earth, as it is in heaven. And we experience being children of God in the kingdom of God. Amen? One of the ways we experience the kingdom of God on earth is through the sacrament of holy communion. We get to come together and remember and celebrate the sacrament of Jesus' body and blood. Because on that night when he met with his disciples and he was teaching them again, and he took the bread and he, he blessed it and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat and each time you do so, remember me. Likewise, he took the cup, said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the cup of new life in me. Take it and drink, and each time you do so, remember me. Remember what I've taught you. Remember what I've shown you. Remember what you've experienced. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood. That we may be the body of Christ, inviting your kingdom in us, in our church, and in our town.
By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forevermore. Amen. I want to invite those who will be serving to come forward and as we prepare for Holy Communion. Friends, as they prepare to come forward, I want to remind you this is not uh, the United Methodist table, this is not Grace Community's table, this is the Lord's table, and it's open to all. As you come forward, it, you're really making that, that first, you're taking that first step of the Beatitudes. Lord, I'm poor in spirit, and I desire to inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the only it's the only thing we need to do as we come. It's open to all, no matter what. So come forward, you'll get, open your hands, and you'll be given a piece of bread, and you'll take that bread, and you'll dip it into the, the grape juice and take both of those elements together. The body and the blood of Christ given for you. And I invite you to, to pray at the kneelers and uh, spend some time in prayer. It's a great place to pray. We're going to sing our last song, and then we'll dismiss after this. I'll invite you all to come down these center aisles and exit around back to your seats on the edge. But spend some time praying. You can go over to the prayer station and, and put something up on the wall or light a candle. It's a great place to spend time with God and let God know that you need God for we're poor in spirit. Friends, the table is open. Come and eat.
kingdom of heaven. Blessed are us who mourn, for we will be comforted. Blessed are those of us who are meek, for we will inherit the earth. May those be true of each and every one of us in this place. As we bring about as co-creators with Jesus, thy kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now may we go out and live that heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.